never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Dracarys. Record. Get that oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to try and ski tomorrow, so, like, right out of work, just rush over there and ski for, like, an hour or two. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it is sweet. Um, we do have... Um, Probably cooler than anything I'll do tomorrow, so... <laughs> we do have a larger amount of news than I thought, but most of it's, like, quick hit type stuff. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I feel like it's been forever since we talked last, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what was this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just double-checking the news real quick. Um, yeah, no worries. Because <laughs> when I pull quotes and stuff, like, because sometimes I try and pull stuff with pictures to remind myself what I'm talking about. And then sometimes I have to, like, remove the pictures because of, like, space. Like, especially if I take a screenshot on my phone to save it. Um, but, yeah. I was, so, okay. Um, I am good to go if you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll <laughs> do the countdown then. Five, four, three, two. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that doesn't talk about Bruno. No, we really just don't talk about Bruno. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. <laughs> What's, What's up? up, man? How are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Um, I'm good, man. I'm busy as hell, but um, I've found my time to watch some stuff and get caught up on some things and um do some oh, reading and you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like my schedule in, in, in the realm of me being busy, I've actually gotten a chance to catch back up with the nerd world that I'm part of, that I love being a part of. So, Oh, that's awesome. That's, uh, well, I'm like kind of polar opposite <laughs> because oh, right. um, I was out of town this past weekend and then otherwise it's just kind of been a busy week. So I honestly haven't watched or read much of anything, <laughs> fortunately. Um, the one thing I have uh, been keeping up with, of course, is uh, Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Because oh, right. okay. that's like my new favorite show, which is really just baffles me every week because I thought it was going to be interesting, but I had no idea I was going to like this show that much. Like it's one of those shows that every episode ends and I'm I'm just wishing it was longer. And then when I'm not watching the show, I'm still thinking about it. And I really wasn't expecting it expecting that with this show and I don't know if it's the acting or the writing or whatever but I just think it's like really well done um like Drew I don't know if you've watched any of it yet at this point or if uh, still... yeah I got I got kind of sucked in and addicted to another show which I binged real quick to be able to talk <laughs> <about it. laughs> oh nice um 
no, I, the only thing I was going to say is like this past episode of Pam and Tommy, um, there's a part where uh, Pam and Tommy, so the characters Pam and Tommy sue uh, somebody who is going to put out um, the tape that was stolen. And uh, there's a whole episode that all that happens is uh, Pamela Anderson in this episode gets interviewed by um, like a competing lawyer. And it's one of those like legal behind the scenes sort of episodes where it just shows like the list of questions that they go through and stuff with her and it was amazing. <laughs> like the episode doesn't sound that interesting, but I was like on the edge of my seat and like how invasive of her privacy and stuff. A lot of these questions felt and like the tension in the room and stuff. It was just amazingly done of, and it was a scene of something that doesn't sound like it would be that exciting. But after watch, after that episode ends where literally that was the whole episode was just that storyline. And I was just like, wow, I, I still just can't believe how good this show, <laughs> this show is. So there's that. Um, I'm like way behind on Vox Machina. Um, so I'm kind of curious if you've caught up. I'm like two weeks behind at this point. Oh. So I'm looking forward, hopefully over this weekend, I'm just going to binge through those episodes and I'm really excited about that. But yeah, so uh, I'm that's honestly it for me. So, well, that's cool. So I'm fully caught up on Vox Machina. Um, I nice. watched through the season finale um, as a whole, the season just like what's really cool about it is it's get it's gotten it gets better and better and better and it builds so everything gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So when you eventually nice. get when you get when eventually get to the big bad of campaign because you got to remember this is a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it 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 and it feels like a game of Dungeons and Dragons. It, when you get to the big bad, you're like absolutely of course this is totally how it would go. And then there's the respite at the end where you're just like, oh, campaign's coming to an end. And then they give you this giant tease for season two. And you're just like, yes, God, this is going to be so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, that's so credits. And you're just like, damn it, but I want more. But yes, that's and that's that's how all D&D campaigns are supposed to go. And that's how each episode, that's how each session should go. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, well, that, that's that's awesome, because I thought that it start that the show started off pretty epic, like the first sort of like quest adventure, whatever you want to call it, that this group goes on, they actually are battling a dragon, which doesn't always happen when you play a, DN a game of D and D, you know? So if it builds from that and just keeps getting bigger and bigger, that's awesome to hear, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so good. And I'm just so for like, one, I'm a big fan of them, but I'm so happy for them for being able to achieve what they did. And I can't wait to see what they bring back to the table when we get the next season. Um, awesome. I did find it funny how I was like, I was falling behind on Critical Role, the show, <laughs> because I was watching Critical Role's animated show. <laughs> right. Um, and I was like, and the Critical Role episodes proper are way longer. And mm -hmm. I was like falling behind. I'm like, I got to get caught up. <laughs> so, um, but no, I'm caught up now. So nice. Um, I also said that I was watching a bunch of cartoons. Um, I've been watching a lot of animation lately, I've found myself. And um, so, for example, I haven't started yet because I wanted to get through Vox Machina first. Um, but the uh, most recent season of Sword Art Online finally dropped on Netflix. Um, the only reason I, like, try not to hunt it down any other way is because I know when it gets to Netflix, it has the English dub. And I prefer anime with the English dub. I just do. 
Um, and I know, I know people would argue with me on about that, but I've said it before and I just like it that way. So, um, now that that's on Netflix, I can watch that, which is awesome. Um, nice. but I also watched, uh, have started watching, I found, I stumbled across it on Netflix. Um, uh, DOTA, um, I, there's a subtitle to it. I want to say like rise of the dragons or something like that. Um, I didn't know a lot about this and apparently it's based on a video game series, which I honestly didn't know. I mean, I recognize that as the title, but I didn't know what it right. was. Really. Um, mm-hmm. DOTA uh, stands for in the in defense of the ancients and uh, the cartoon is awesome. Um, it's literally about a dragon knight who goes out slaying dragons and stuff like that. And somehow he gets like possessed in a way where he's like turning into a dragon in a very werewolf kind of a way, oh, um, which just makes for some crazy storytelling and whatnot. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It feels very Dungeons and Dragons like. So if you're looking for something else in that realm of things, um, it's great. It's super violent and bloody and gory, just like Vox Mach is and whatnot. So um, I've been having a lot of fun with that. That's on Netflix. Um, I, I actually go ahead. keep going. No, I well, actually have a friend at work who uh, suggested this series to me like a long time ago. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, like when it came out. So I don't think it's like super long ago, but within the last year or two, um, yeah, somebody I, at work who I talked to about anime and stuff suggested it. But uh, yeah, it sounds cool. I I'll just, definitely have I to check stumbled, this out. I stumbled across it and it was on the, it was funny because it was on the um, trending area of the uh, Netflix and, you know, the wife is like, I said, well, that's interesting that that's up there. And she goes, that's because you watch your anime stuff. And I go, no, this is under trending, not in the because you watch the category. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just thought that was funny. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's better than my Netflix right now is all just like little kids shows. <laughs> so it's pretty open. It's pretty funny when I open it up and it's nothing but like really, really little kid suggestions, you know, and then. I go and look for like some gruesome horror movie or anime or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, but the, uh, no, no, keep the going. One of your Netflix suggestions, I think would be interesting to look at. <laughs> um, the, uh, the other thing that I watched that I'm going to make a huge recommendation for, um, is a show on Netflix called inventing Anna. Do you know about this? I've heard the name a million times, but I don't know it. I haven't watched it or anything. Okay. So this show, um, it's a true story, and I didn't know a lot about this. All I did was I watched the trailer, and it looked cool. It looked like there was some crazy, like, conspiracy, con job kind of thing that happened. Some, like, um, rip-off con artist thing that happened, and then there's this reporter who's investigating, trying to figure out what happened. That's what the trailer makes it look like. And here's me not knowing that it's a true story. Um, as I watch the show, you find out that it's a true story. They basically tell you right at the beginning, it's a true story. And then it made me kind of dig into the actual truth about it a little bit because I was just enjoying the show. So it's about this girl who basically claims to be a German heiress with like millions of dollars in a trust fund and scams her way into like the New York elite. Um, the very wealthy, like um, the art world, the fashion world, Wall Street, the bank world, all this stuff. And she's trying to and she's literally scamming them one out of money, but be into this like lifestyle that she's trying to live um, and doing it. I guess you could say for free because she's pulling all these scams. Um, the interesting part about it, I thought, was for one, it's all true. 
B, uh, they show you a lot of the real life stuff at the end, but the level of it and because and the level that she went to 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 reach, it's that interesting. It's that point where there's the rich and then there's the elite rich. Like, yeah, you look at the movie stars in Hollywood and you go, well, they're rich. And then there's the ones who are wealthy, the elite rich that, you know, live in this whole other world. You know what I mean? That just is completely beyond everybody. Um, yeah, and that's the world she was trying to achieve. And it's just it was interesting, but she got busted. So there's a reporter trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together before her court date and like, you know, figure everything out. It's it was a lot of fun to sit and watch and see how everything plays out. So that sounds really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely have to try to watch that too. So yeah, it's it was really good. It's nine episodes. It's a limited series. It's not a seasonal thing where it's going to be multiple seasons. This is a one season and done. So uh, definitely check it out. And the final episode's kind of lengthy because it's um it's like an hour and a half like finale, but um it was really good. So nice, highly highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, so that's my watching and reading. Um, was that it for you too? Yeah, yeah, I literally had barely anything this week, so. <laughs> cool. Let's talk about the news, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like I told you offline before we hit the record button tonight, there's a ton of stuff to talk about, but a lot of them are quick hits. So, um, but there are some that we'll actually dive into and talk about. Uh, let me see here. Um, no <laughs> surprise. Um, oh, before I go into this piece of news, I do have my Batman ticket. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to go March 4th, and I got my seat ready to go, and yeah. Um, I like to, I like to uh, play it fast and loose and buy my tickets <laughs> when I show up at the theater, you know. Some people just want to watch the world burn, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I look forward to seeing it. I'm super excited about this movie, and uh, after No Way Home, I feel like this is the next big event film in the sort of super super hero nerd culture sort of realm so that's going to be just a blast you know when that finally comes out well they're already and this is the piece of news they're already have confirmed that they're talking about a sequel now before everyone gets all excited like yeah batman sequel one none (laughs) of us have seen the movie yet two i'm not surprised um we've talked in the past before about how common practice is to um as soon as, you know, sign everyone on for a trilogy, if you will. You know what I mean? Um, You sign on for a trilogy because you don't know what the franchise is going to do. And then if they don't make the other ones, they don't make the other ones. But at least you're contracted to do it if they make pull the trigger. Um, From Matt Reeves, he says, we're already telling other stories in the streaming space. We're doing stuff on HBO Max. We're doing a Penguin show with Colin Farrell, which is going to be super cool. And we're working on some other stuff, too, but we um, but we have started talking about another movie. Um, direct quote from Matt Reeves. And I'm like, of course you are like that makes no it's, <laughs> you know, it's not a shocker to me, but that's awesome. So um, I'm always yeah. down for more Batman. Um, yeah, sounds awesome. In, in the realm of big hit. And it's funny that you said and it, I, I really feel like I buried it by that Batman story. But in the thing where you said that No Way Home, this is the Batman is going to be the next big superhero thing. In the realm of No Way Home, there's a Blues Clues movie coming. <laughs> and it's right. going to be on an epic scale like No Way Home because all three Blues Clues hosts are coming together for one big No Way Home epic Blues Clues movie. 
I heard, I don't know who, somebody told me about this and it, it just kind of baffled me, but I was never like that into Blue's Clues. It was a little bit after my time. So I kind of just was like, okay, they can do that. I don't care too much. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't know what what are your thoughts here, Drew? Well, I don't I don't really have any thoughts. I'm not a Blues Clues guy. Here's the thing. The article, the headline for the article was a Blues Clues movie is happening and it's going to be a going to be like Spider-Man No Way Home, which made me read the article. Like that headline alone made me read the article. It's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, it's um, one of those I have to just figure out what that even means. <laughs> and it, and and what that means is the movie is titled uh, Blue's Big City Adventure, and the movie will feature all three Blue's Clues hosts, uh, Steve, okay. Joe, and Josh. Um, that's the only reason this makes the news this week, because I was like, wait, what? And it made me laugh. So um, Nice. <laughs> so if you're up for a Blue's Clues movie. So that's the next big one there for you. Okay. Um, back to DC News. Uh, Peacemaker is, is renewed and confirmed for a season two. That's sweet. Have you watched Peacemaker yet? I have not. And um, and it's literally because of time. And I'll tell you this. There's a massive cameo at the end of the final episode, which has been (laughs) which has been spoiled for me. Uh, So that's okay. But it's in the DC universe. So when I found out what the cameo was and I was like, sure, why not? It's awesome. Why? (laughs) You know what I mean? So I don't think I don't think that moment because I from from what I'm understanding is the moment with the cameo is very, you see it and they roll credits. So it's not enough of a story beat to like, you know, um, really for me. Um, but in this news, James Gunn will direct and write all the episodes. Um, Okay. Nice. So that's awesome. The peacemaker is moving forward with some more stuff. Um, all right. What else do we have? Was that it for DC? Um, that might have been it for DC. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about some Marvel stuff real quick here. Um, Netflix Marvel shows have left yeah. Netflix. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I, I did hear about this. They have officially left Netflix and they're moving to Disney Plus Canada in March. Oh, Canada. Interesting. Canada. Yes, it's very interesting. So on March 16th, all the shows will be on Disney Plus. <laughs> now, other countries like the U.S. are unknown at this time. Here's the thing. Disney Plus in the U.S., and I don't know if it's a overseas or other country issue, but Disney Plus in the U.S. has to deal with the fact that those shows are very... Are rated in comparison to everything else that's on Disney Plus, right? Uh, and there's got to be something in the U.S. where Disney's concerned about putting those shows on Disney Plus. They have yeah. talked. There has been talks in the past about Disney creating an R-rated tab. I guess you could say that um, <laughs> where, like, because eventually they got to put Deadpool on Disney Plus. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking the current Deadpool movies because they've already said they want to add those on there. But the next Deadpool movie, the solo movie, they said will stay as an R-rated film. It's eventually got to go to Disney Plus, right? You know, yeah, so I mean, you'd there, think so. So it could be there with the rest of the Marvel stuff. I do wonder, because Disney has such a hand in Hulu, if these Netflix Marvel shows will hit Hulu first in the U.S. before Disney Plus. 
But ultimately, because of Charlie Cox Daredevil's appearance in No Way Home, they're going to want it pretty close to the belt. And they're probably going to want to keep it with all the rest of the Marvel stuff. Um, so good news. It's eventually probably coming for all of us to view on Disney Plus, hopefully sooner than uh, we think. So <laughs> I'm really curious how they how they tackle this and how they add these R-rated movies to their app. And I, <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be pretty awkward. And so that's going to be entertaining to see as well. You know, if you have to click on the Disney R-rated tab or, you know, what exactly, how exactly are they going to handle this? But um, no, it's interesting. I, I'm just really curious to see how this is going to play well, out. And uh, I'm hoping it's funny. <laughs> well, they did do, remember those movies that they removed from the kid profiles? There was a handful of them that were removed from the kid profiles, um, okay. like Dumbo and like a couple of the other, like a couple. Right. It's um, it was like three or four movies of the old animated stuff because of. There was like, for example, the scene with the birds and Dumbo, which I always liked that scene. I always thought the song was catchy and all that stuff. I just enjoyed that scene just because of what it was. But there's racial undertones in that scene. Yeah. And because of that, they removed the movie from the kid profile. So the master adult profile still has access to the movie if they want to watch it. You know what I mean? There's a hand. Oh, interesting. OK. Yeah. A, it's like three or four Disney movies that that happened to. That being said, I'm wondering if that's how they'll handle the Netflix shows. And it's like, well, they're not allowed on the kid profiles. Yeah. I mean, you know? yes, that seems to make the most sense and seems to be the least awkward way to handle it <laughs> <laughs> the least awkward way yeah I agree. um so yeah um okay next i'm bouncing around a lot because the news is kind of all over the place um okay halo tv series i already yeah. i already expressed my complaint about how i don't want the master chief to show his face right okay yeah halo tv <laughs> i know where you're going with not this. show his face not show his face but the voice problem that really like i know i went off on a little bit of a rant because i don't agree with that at all it's still it should be steve downs i don't i just ugh, i don't want to go on another tirade anyway um they're saying that you will for in fact the show will see master chief's face um and it, the quote here, uh, you will see his face. For some people, it's been a moment of 20 years in the making. And for other people, it is something that feels very hard to imagine. But for the nature of this story, it felt really important to connect with Master Chief in a different way. And that meant showing his face. Um, mm -hmm. I am OK with that quote. For the sake of storytelling on TV, I'm OK with the quote. Um, and I'm and I think I'm OK with seeing his face. I'm not OK with his voice changing when he doesn't have that when he has the helmet on, like his voice should be that voice with the helmet on. Sorry, that's just how it should be. Um, the uh, the thing about showing his face and this is the thing that I like so much about not seeing it is when you play the video games, the reason you don't see Master Chief's face and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really feel the reason you never saw his face was because you are supposed to be the master chief when you're playing. Yeah. And it's supposed to feel like it. you're supposed to feel like the master chief at all. Like that's the whole point. So yeah. um, I don't know if you have anything to say on that. I just, that's how I felt. And I'm just like, well, okay. That's what, that's what I always heard was that you were supposed to substitute yourself in the place of master chief. And that's why they never showed his face in the games. And um, I don't know. As far as I knew, that was something that was purposely done. Um, but like I said, this is for me, it's all hearsay. So 
I could be wrong on that as well. Um, but I think, I don't know. I understand that the needs of a video game and the needs of a movie or a TV show are completely different. So it makes sense that they want to see, they want to show his face, but at the same time, you know, it could be cool if we never did see his face. I mean, we went through a lot of the first season of uh, the Mandalorian without us, without seeing his face, you know, maybe something similar could have been accomplished, you know, in the new halo series. <laughs> I know, the but um, though, the difference, though, is the Mandalorian has the actor who plays the Mandalorian is the voice of the Mandalorian, period. Right. You know, so there's that. Um, the other thing I was thinking, and I was actually looking at the Halo um, IMDb right now just to see who was uh, cast as uh, Master Chief and stuff. And I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny if uh, <laughs> what would you do if like the first time in the show, the Master Chief takes off his mask and the face that was revealed was like Michael Sarah or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just trying to think of the most awkward actor who like you wouldn't expect. Like maybe Master Chief takes off his mask and it's like Steve Buscemi behind the mask or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think it'd be funny if they showed his face and they just trolled everybody with it. But no, I don't know. I'm still excited about the show and I'm curious how they're going to handle this. But I just... It is a little bit disappointing, but I'm not going to write off the show just because of this. If that oh, makes I'm sense. not I'm not writing off the show. It just bugs me. And it's going to be something to have on a <sighs> to. And you hear the voice in the trailer. I'm like, that's not his voice, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, uh, I know. I know I'll warm up to it. I will. It'll happen. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Just I went on a tirade before, but I know it'll happen. <laughs> I, know I'll, I know I'll be OK with it. Um. Okay, moving on. Um, Transformers. Rise of the Beasts will start a new trilogy. So, <laughs> um, Awesome. I like how you started laughing. <laughs> um, we knew we were getting another Transformers movie. I did not think we were getting three more Transformers movies, but I'm not surprised. So we're moving into the Beast Wars era. I thought it was going to be a one and done because of the previous films of like it's all like one big thing. Um, here we go. We're getting three more Transformers movies, uh, Beast Wars style. So um, that could be cool. I remember really enjoying the Beast Wars cartoon. I thought it was awesome. Um, so maybe they're going to pull some really cool stuff out of this. Yeah, no, it does sound awesome. I started laughing because the Transformers movies, I feel like plot wise and like many of their other choices a lot of times are really questionable <laughs> maybe not in the best taste and stuff but the one things those movies do is in the sort of action department they always deliver and they always show you just awesome robot fight scenes and they always kind of show you action wise what you want to see whether or not you might like the writing or the acting or dialogue or whatever i think they do deliver in the action um scenario so when i hear rise of the beasts i'm just like okay this is gonna be fun this is gonna be awesome we're getting beast wars i can't i can't wait for it and it just reminds me of uh i think it was in the fourth transformer movie when um you know, it's like I remember watching the movie and just kind of thinking like this movie's a mess and it's kind of dumb. But at the same time, we got the Dinobots and 
Optimus Prime is riding on one of them and he has a giant sword. This is amazing <laughs> at the same time. And I kind of expect that sort of experience with this new one. So I'm excited. Yeah. It'll be fun to see another big Transformers movie come out. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, what's going to happen is the trailer's going to come out and we're all going to go, cool, I got to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What's going to happen? Um, the new movie, <sighs> the first of them hits June 9th, 2023. And also there's going to be a new animated movie to coincide with this stuff um, that'll hit uh, 2024. Um, oh, fun. I, don't, I don't know if the animated movie will be like a straight to streaming thing, but um, yeah, just thought that was kind of cool. Um Okay, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, the show is hitting Disney+. Plus. This I was really excited to see because, we're, look, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're a big fan of John Williams because he created the, um, the, 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 the music for it, he composed it all, and he, that is the oxygen of the film, if you will. Um, and uh, John Williams ha- is writing the theme to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, so that's amazing. 90 year old John Williams is giving us one last piece of star Wars music. Um, that's awesome to kind of close it all out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a perfect series for him to close it out on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Since it has close links to the original trilogy and all that. So agreed. Um, okay. Um, let's talk about stranger things. Did right. you hear stranger things news? I saw the new um, poster and I did watch the trailer, but I feel like that was a little bit ago. I don't know if there's anything new since yeah. then. So this is interesting. OK, so we have season. They've officially announced if you go back to when the show originally started, there was an interview with the guy with the Duffer brothers who said that their plan was five seasons. OK, and then the kids started growing up really fast and then it sounded like they weren't going to do five seasons. Right. They've officially said that season five will be the end of the show. Okay. We're getting our five seasons. Awesome. The other piece of news is that season four is done in two parts. Okay. This is really interesting because after I say this, you're going to go, wait, we're getting six seasons. Check this out. Right. Season four premieres on the stream on Netflix, May 27th. Season four, part one and season four, part two will be on July on Netflix, July 1st. All right, then. OK, so we got to watch fast because that's not a lot of like that's not a big gap. The reason I bring this up is because um, season four, part one is going to be a full season. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. Season season four, part two is going to be a full season. That's I'm I'm up for this. This so is awesome. It sounds like you're and it sounds like they're giving it to this because season five is going to take forever to film. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting right. It's like we're getting two full seasons right in the middle of summer. So you're getting season four, part one, May 27th, and then volume two, July 1st. <sighs> that's like a month apart. Yeah. They're not really giving us a lot of room to breathe, which is nuts. So we're going to have to binge fast. <laughs> um, I just thought that was awesome. So there you go. Um, well, that's not a problem for me because I feel like for me, at least Stranger Things is one of those shows that 
when a new season comes out, I just drop everything and I just have to binge through that season right away. Um, I just think sure. it's like that good of a show. Um, the one thing I'll say is like the third season, while I really did enjoy it, I felt like the pacing was a little bit too fast. You know, the first two seasons were a little bit slower paced if you rewatch them um, compared to the third season. And I feel like that slower pace really helps with the sort of mystery and stuff that's built, you know, throughout Stranger Things. And I felt like that was missing a little bit from season three. So if season four is uh, broken into two parts, it almost me- makes me feel like the pacing might be getting back to uh, closer to what I personally like in the series. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see for that. But this yeah. is uh, this is really exciting. I know. Um it could like, yeah, I'm just look, I remember watching that trailer and I was really excited for season four. I cannot wait. Um, so May 27th couldn't get here fast enough, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. But at the same time, um, I want to savor it and they're not giving me a lot of room to savor it, <laughs> if you will. Um, so we'll see. Um, let's see here. Do you remember a long time ago when we talked about the Fallout television series and Amazon Prime was going to do? uh vaguely yeah so fallout this the fallout video game series which is about a dystopian future where um basically in the 50s everyone went into the vaults underground because they thought the nuclear bombs were going to drop and then turns out the nuclear bombs did drop and just laid waste to the planet and then everyone emerges from the vaults and has to like rebuild society and it's very like futuristic not really western dystopian like apocalypse land <laughs> you know what i mean um, that's the yeah best describing it um i played fallout 3 and loved it that was my first uh foray into fallout <coughs> absolutely loved it played a little bit of uh fallout vegas vegas new vegas new vegas fallout new vegas and then um I, I wanted to play four, but it just came out at a bad time. But it's a series that is just awesome in terms of like the storytelling and everything. Well, Amazon Prime is doing a live action Fallout series. Um, sounds great. Walton Goggins, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, um, or Goggins, has been cast in a lead role for the sh- for the series. Um, speculation is he's, he's going to play a ghoul. If you know the video game series, you know what a ghoul is. Um, I feel that he should be a little I feel like he's too good of an actor to not um, to be dressed up as a ghoul. But uh, Walton Goggins, um, he I know him from a show called uh, Vice Principals on HBO. And then he's also on um, uh, Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max Mm. as well. Um, I think he's a really cool actor. I've seen him in a few other things and in some serious roles. I think he's a really, really good actor. And I think he fits the world of fallout really well um i'm kind of curious to see how this plays out but um you didn't play any of the fallout games did you no i'm i'm familiar with them a little bit like what they're about and stuff but i never actually played any of them but yeah i mean it it, i I, from what i know it seems like a really cool world so i'll be interested to uh see how the show turns out you know okay okay back to marvel real quick all right because of cameos that um, with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, um, 
So apparently there's some cameos coming that we don't know about yet. And there's a rumored fantastic forecast that we're going to see in Doctor Strange <laughs> and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, right. I'm telling you this in the realm of it's rumor for a reason. I don't know if it's truth. I just know that um, I was looking at it going, this is interesting. Um, and yeah. <laughs> um, so take this with a few huge grain of salt here. Um, rumored cast. The rumor comes with the uh, okay. Rumored cast. The rumor comes from from a source who is right about everything that was going to happen in Multiverse of Madness. So watch out. They could be dead dead on with this. So <laughs> Reed Richards. The rumor is it's John Krasinski. Um, wow. We've, we've been hearing this for a very long time as a possibility. So this rumor I'm not surprised about. Um, I almost just want them to go, hey, he's Mr. Fantastic. Uh, right. Sue Storm is a girl by the name of Elizabeth Lale. Um, she's known for having um, played Beck in the first season of the Netflix series. You. Oh, OK. Um, I just I didn't watch you. But in terms of like just looking at pictures, I'm totally down with uh, all. Yeah, the she would be good. She'd be good. Good casting for. Her. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Storm is Rudy uh, Pankow. Uh, the young performer is known for his starring in the Netflix series Outer Banks. Um, and then okay. and then the one that really made me laugh, but. I don't know if it's too far off the mark. Um, Seth Rogen as Ben Grimm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm um, not against it. That just kind of took me off guard, though. I'm not against it, and that casting took me off guard either. Here's the thing. Just based on the photos alone, John Krasinski and Elizabeth <sighs> Lale are the ones that I'm sold on completely. And I'm like, yeah, do it. You know, it looks mm -hmm. great. I'm, it looks great with the casting right there. Um, so we'll see what happens. Again, rumor. And I'll leave it at that. Um, um, ben Grimm to me feels like such a tragic character for Seth Rogen to play. But at the same time, I feel like it'd be nice to see Seth Rogen in some more serious roles. You know, I feel like sure. most of the time he still is cast in uh, comedic roles. So that could be really ref refreshing to see. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, OK. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Has a biopic coming. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. Radcliffe's playing Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. There is a first look picture of Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al on the internet right now. Oh, um, nice. I haven't they, seen this. They released they released a photo of it. Um, it looks good, man. Um, it's it's perfect. And okay. It just makes me it just makes me go sweet. Let's see this movie. <laughs> you know, there's not much to say to it other than it's just basically him. Uh, with the or with uh, the the accordion, which if you know Weird Al's history, he played an accordion. That's where he came from. Um, so I googled it and I see some like uh, set photos that probably weren't supposed to be taken, which are probably. pretty interesting to see. I don't see the recording re accordion one, but uh, I'll look that up later. Probably. Okay. Yeah, it's literally like it's a it's got like a reddish tint to it, and he's kind of just looking downward, like he's playing the accordion, and it's just like you can't really see his face, but you're just looking at it, like you know it's Weird Al when you look at it, you know. So. Yeah, seeing like the face, looking at the facial structure of both of them side by side, I feel like it can work. I just uh, first I don't know if this is true, but I always imagined weird al as being like a decently tall person and i think dan radcliffe is pretty short but that's just neither here nor there you know they can use the way they film the movie you probably wouldn't even notice that so and i'm just really curious to see like 
Daniel Radcliffe's Weird Al voice, as well as like hearing him sing some of the songs and stuff. I just can't imagine it, you know, <laughs> but I'm really curious how sure. it's going to sound. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, too. I just I think the idea of doing this is like really smart. And I've talked to some people about it. I brought it up. I was like, do you know they're doing a Weird Al biopic? And I've heard a couple people kind of groan. And I'm like, really? You don't really know your Weird Al history. You know what I mean? Like just where he came from, what he did. The, the sheer amount of music videos he pumped out for MTV because MTV was just begging for content because they had no videos to play. And that's where you got all these Weird Al videos from because he's making them because it was like, yeah, if you're just going to keep playing my stuff, why not? And he became famous because of MTV. And so, you know what I mean? Like, so I think I think there's more to it than people realize. And I just think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think I commented on it before, but there's a lot of controversies with like the songs that he did and how the original artists reacted to him and stuff. And I think there is, I really, I did say this on a previous episode, but I really do think there is a story to be told there. So yeah, it is, it's definitely going to be pretty exciting to see this when it finally comes out. Um, one artist that really appreciated uh, what he did was Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, we all know he did Hamilton. You saw Hamilton, right? Yeah. You yeah. Watched it on Disney plus anyway. So Weird Al does these really cool polka versions of stuff. He's got one, it's called like Polka Power, and it's all these like pop songs like mashed up together for like a big polka song because he came from like a polka background because of his parents and everything. So he's he's got like, it's basically a polka song, but it's like all these like variations of all these pop songs mixed in it. It's really, really clever that he did it, and he did a Bohemian Rhapsody version and all that stuff. So he has one called Hamilton Polka. And and if you know the Hamilton, if you know the Hamilton musical, it is literally like a six minute polka song, which is the entirety Hamilton, the entirety (sighs) Hamilton musical in six minutes. And it's amazing and it's fast. And if you thought some of the rap parts in the Hamilton musical were fast, hearing Weird Al do, it's crazy. But Lin-Manuel Miranda went on, uh, he was on Jimmy Fallon talking about it. He's like, I received this really cool uh, gift from uh, Weird Al the other day. And Jimmy Fallon's like, what do you mean? And he's like, he did a polka version of Hamilton and sent it to me as a, hey, you're the only one getting to hear this. Um, you got to hear this song. And uh, he sent it to him as a, as a gift to say, I'm a fan. You got to check this out. And he loved it. He's like, he's like. Weird Al did a parody of one of my songs. That is like the highest accolades that I could ever receive. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but um, if you want to hear it, it's on Amazon Music. I know that for a fact because I looked it up. Um, I didn't go looking up on iTunes or anything because I pretty much use Amazon Music when I'm doing um, music stuff because I have the Alexas in the house and that kind of thing. But um, but yeah, check it out. The song's aw- the track is amazing. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Well. Well, no, oh, I was going to say ahead. right now, yeah, I'm just thinking we need to do a list of our top five Weird Al songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I never thought about that before, but that would be a hilarious list to do. I, but uh, I someday, someday. Frank's 2000-inch TV makes it on my list. Um, nice. I, I absolutely love that song. Anyway, um, like, well, that makes you wonder, though, Weird Al's, are we doing parodies or originals? Or do we have to have a list for each one? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> We're just we're just doing his polka um, anthology oh, just, songs. Just polka you, yeah, I think, I think he only has five, so <laughs> we're well, I thought he probably has more. I think there's one on each album, but we can discuss this uh, behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Um, maybe we wait for the movie. Um, okay. This is this this is kind of depressing news in my opinion. Uh, the Academy Awards are about to hit, so we're gonna get to talk about our favorite movies from 2021 soon. But the Academy plans to cut eight categories from the main telecast instead of giving out away out the awards on on the air. They're gonna give them out about an hour before everything uh, is broadcast, and they're gonna do it behind the scenes to the people who won. Um, mm-hmm. This is being done to keep the award show from running too long. The eight categories are film editing, sound, makeup hairstyling, original score, production design, documentary short, animated short, and live action short. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. It's like a big chunk of the ones that I'm actually interested in, actually, <laughs> that were in that list. So. Um, thank you. This yeah. is, this almost, this actually kind of pisses me off because, the, in my opinion, yes, okay. Best picture, best actor, best actors. Great for you guys. Those awards don't move the industry forward. The tech awards move the industry forward. The achievement yeah. in certain things, the things you don't get to see done. You're just like, oh, they did something new. We got to acknowledge that. They created a new piece of tech that allowed them to do this for this movie. We got to acknowledge that. That's the kind of stuff that moves the industry forward. And so many of those are film editing, sound, makeup, hairstyling, original score. Come on, man. Like you're yeah. li- <laughs> you're literally production design. OK, documentary short. OK, live action short. OK, animated short. OK, the other ones like why are you removing those from the broadcast? There's a big petition right now of people just not happy with it and people in the industry not happy that it's happening. So. There's a chance it gets put back in, but in all seriousness, come on, guys, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a little bit of bo- a little bit bogus, and I think that the uh, the short categories that you mentioned, those typically I'll see um, the Academy Awards, and those uh, uh, short uh, categories, I'm usually not familiar with a lot of the shorts that are nominated. But a lot of times you see that and it kind of becomes this little like checklist of like, oh, I've got to check that out. You know, I got to check out this documentary. I need to check out this animated short that looked cool. And so I appreciate it from that standpoint as well. Like it's not always just which movies have I seen and I want to root for. Sometimes it's like which movies do I need to watch? You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's it's disappointing, but I don't know. Hopefully Hopefully this is something that changes for next year, especially if they have a petition and stuff going on right yeah, now. It sounds like the petition isn't just people who like movies. It's the petitions from the people in the industry going, hold on a second. I worked, my butt <laughs> off to, I worked the butt off to win my award, and I'm not getting my you know moment in the sun to say thanks to people and stuff. Like, come on. Absolutely. Uh, okay, this one more piece of news, and then we can talk about the list. This is my favorite piece of news for the night, and I need to get my hands on a copy of this. Um. There's DC and Marvel crossovers that exist in the world. There are single books that are kind of fun, Batman versus Spider-Man and that kind of stuff. There's a book, yes. um, there's a DC Marvel crossover, which is like a DC versus Marvel book, uh, which is really cool. So you actually get to see the Hulk versus Superman fight, the Batman versus Captain America yeah. fight and so on. Um, so there's a couple of those books and there's a team up book where it's like Batman and Spider-Man team up. And then there's another side adventure where Superman and someone team up. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like a big crossover. Anyway, there's one giant crossover that was done. It's called the DC and Marvel JLA Avengers. That's what it's titled. 
Okay. Um, this book, I've, I couldn't pick it up when it first came out. It came out. Do you remember when Ed McGinnis did the Batman Superman run? I know you did because it's some of your favorite artwork. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like early. That was early two thousand. Early two thousands, yeah. yeah. Early two thousands. Um, that the book, the JLA Avengers book, was being printed at that time. I could never get my hands on it. It was always sold out. Yeah. I saw some people reading it, uh, just looking over shoulders at cons and stuff. It just looked cool. I've always, always wanted to read it. When I go and Google it or like look it up on Amazon, it's like well over like two, three hundred dollars to get a copy of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, DC and Marvel are reissuing <sighs> the book in honor. Oh, of, sick! In honor of George Perez. Yeah. Um, and the JLA Avengers will be available in March from participating comic book stores and will be distributed via Diamond Comics. Um, the edition benefits the Hero Initiative, a charity helping comic book creators in need. Um, this is awesome. That's awesome. Forget the charity part of it. I just want to read the book, but the charity part of it's amazing. Those guys definitely could, you know, use some help with all the crazy copyright nonsense stuff going on right now and who's responsible for characters and gets benefits from, you know what I mean? So, um, this is going to be an honor of George Perez, but man, I really hope I can get my hands on a copy of this because I really want to read it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, while you're talking, I was looking this up and I definitely have rec- I, I, do, I definitely remember seeing some of the artwork, especially um, I don't know if it's like the main cover, but at least on a lot of the collected versions, that main cover they have that's just like all the Justice League and Avengers duking it out, um, depicted beautifully as George Perez has been known to do. Um, so that's just really awesome. And I really like to get my hands on this as well. So yeah, that's a really cool story. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, I believe ultimately this was a team up story, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> but then but, there's the, uh, the intricacies of who is the big baddie they have to fight and stuff like that. Too. From, what I, from what I understand, it's a comp, it was, it's a combination thing where, um, characters collectively, um, it's like villains teamed up, which caused the heroes to team up. Um, sounds about right. Yeah, it's not, it sounds about right in a perfect comic book world nonsense. Um, <laughs> the, um, the on a side note, you know how I'm reading through Detective Comics, trying to read the entirety of it. Yeah, I have finally reached the four hundreds. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, I finally reached the four hundreds, <sighs> and I've finally gotten to the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill era of Batman. Um, oh, cool. Which, which is probably, that's kind of like the Batman, like I know that I grew up with. And then we're moving into territory that I'm more familiar with finally. Cause I got through all of the really, the trudge of some of that really old stuff that you're just like, wow, how'd this get, you know, just old school comic book writing. And you're like, all right. <laughs> so the evolution, <laughs> the evolution of the comic, if you will. Nice. Um, so yeah, very cool stuff there. Um, all right. You want to talk about the list tonight, man? Yeah, sounds superhero good. Superhero thing for a second? <laughs> Great. Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right. So uh, it is list time. So, Ryan, do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. 
Peter, all right. So this was my list, right? Yes. Um, we, I have a feeling you and I are going to match a lot. Um, these are movies we've talked about at nauseum. So I have a feeling that we're not going to have lengthy, lengthy reviews. Um, that Probably means, not. That being said, we might have a couple that we need to be discussed, but for the most part, it's going to be quick reviews on all these. So this list should probably go pretty quickly. Um, but I was thinking about in the world we live in with all the superhero movies and everything, I really felt like there was a time in our lives where we didn't have the MCU. We didn't have the Dark Knight trilogy. We didn't have superhero films held to the standard they are today. And we wouldn't get the movies we would get today without the movies, the superhero movies from the past to learn from. So yes. um, using because the Dark Knight and Iron Man both came out in the same year, which was 2008. But Dark Knight is predicated by Batman Begins, which was 2005. And since we lumped that together with the Dark Knight trilogy, we are doing tonight um, superhero <sighs> movies pre-2005. So Dawn of Film up to 2005. Um, and so we can't use Batman Begins, for example, because um, we want to see where we got what we had before we got what we have now, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, um, this was my pick. I have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do as well. Um, okay. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because uh, I was actually kind of confused why it was 2005 as opposed to 2008 <laughs> when I was uh, putting my list together. But well, um, I just I just felt that with Batman Begins being a part of the Dark Knight trilogy, technically that's the beginning and you can't have the Dark Knight like if the, the, the idea is, is that Batman Begins was so earnest and realistic and we all walked out of Batman Begins going that was good. We, like, we almost didn't know where it was going from there. We are just like, that was good. I really liked what I saw. Um, and then you saw The Dark Knight, and your brain went, oh, that's what happens when you get your universe established. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right like, on, yeah. Your brain was suddenly like, well, when your universe is established, that's what you can get. And then you look back at Batman Begins, and you realize how good of a movie it was because it established everything you needed for The Dark Knight to be a thing. You know? Mm -hmm. So... Yes, that's why I said 2005, because we had to go back just a little bit more. So, anyway. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, your first pick, man. So, you got honorable mentions. Your turn before me. Um, yeah, so I actually, um, while we were going through that description just now, I realized I kind of messed up my list, because uh, I was thinking certain movies came out much later than they actually did. <laughs> So I, I just literally did a quick list revision and I'll explain that in a second. Yeah, okay. But um, yeah, moving into my first honorable mention, uh, I'm going to go with The Crow, which is the I don't remember what year it came out, but it was during the 90s and it's yeah. based off of the independent comic book, The Crow. And um, this one is kind of weird because it comes up in a list of superhero films, but I actually don't know if The Crow is technically a superhero because it's kind of just a really messed up revenge story but this is a really iconic film um it's really dark and uh kind of beautiful in a really dark way and um i think it's just it's kind of one of those films that i really appreciate as uh not just as a movie that's entertaining but it kind of feels like a piece of art 
if that makes sense. And I know I'm not doing justice to my description, but I think The Crow is just really... It's a great film I think everybody should watch. It only makes an honorable mention for me because I just haven't watched it enough. Like, it's been a while since I've given this movie a proper watch, but uh, it's, it's definitely an amazing movie to check out. Same with me. It's been a long time since I've seen The Crow. So yeah. I, well, I totally understand and hear you at that point with that. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. One other funny thing I was going to mention about The Crow, because when I was putting my my list together, I was thinking about The Crow and I feel like, and this is going to sound weird, but I feel like The Crow was kind of like the Suicide Squad of its time, <laughs> like the movie The Suicide Squad. And yeah. I say that because for people who are in high school, as far as I understand, for people who are in high school at the time that The Suicide Squad movie came out, the first one, it was kind of like this big cultural touchstone for like kids of that age. And uh, The Crow, I was in like junior high or even younger when it actually came out but that's kind of how I understood it as like Drew for probably people of your age like the crow is kind of like this big kind of like cultural cult following sort of film that everybody kind of celebrated at the time yeah it was and it was and the crow got a bunch of uh I don't want to say bad <laughs> press but it had a huge um I think part of the cult following happened because Brandon Lee was killed during the making of the movie. Absolutely. Uh, and it suddenly had this like stigma of the movie being like super edgy and hard and stuff like that because of that death that happened in the film. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Just a thought or an observation, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, so my first honorable mention is Condor Man. Nice. Um, <laughs> Um, this movie, um, we talked about this a long time ago. I know it came up on one of our Disney lists, but this is a, it's a Disney made superhero movie about a comic book writer who has to make, if he, if it, if it's not realistic, like if he can't do it in real life, he doesn't do it for real and if he can't have it in the comic book. So, um, he made the big wingsuit for this like superhero called the Condor Man who like has this giant wingsuit that can fly around and whatnot. So he makes a wingsuit to fly with and he has the cool car. Like he has every gadget in the comic book. And it's this, I feel like it's like Disney trying to do Batman and Superman and James Bond all in one movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially like he had, he gets sucked into going on like an adventure and stuff like that. And he's just this comic book writer that's using his tools and stuff to be this superhero. Um, that was always, the idea around this always fascinated me. The car chase in the movie. Like, here's the thing. I haven't seen the movie in a really long time, but in my memory, it's awesome and it's flawless. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right on. <laughs> it, it probably does not hold up anymore, but um, I remember being a kid loving every bit of it. So. Nice. That's um. no, I, I absolutely agree. I it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but I remember watching it a ton as a kid and thinking it was such a blast to watch. And all of Condor's man's uh, gadgets and everything were amazing and stuff like that. So this one definitely I have a fond spot for in my memories as well. So, yeah. All right. What is your next honorable mention? Man? Yeah. So my next one, um, which some people would probably call me crazy that this is just an honorable mention, but I went with uh, the original X-Men film, the one that came out in 2000 that introduced us to, you know, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine and Patrick Stewart, Professor X. And uh, I don't know, this movie, 
the thing about this movie is that I feel like it handled the subject matter of X-Men so seriously and kind of in on like a really epic scale, you know, when um when Wolverine, uh, when Rogue asks Wolverine if it hurts when his claws come out and he says every time that just felt so real, you know, it, it took there's lines like that and the way they played everything off, it felt real and it felt so serious. And I just loved the tone of the movie. And I think that like taking this, this at the time, like I hadn't, when I first saw this movie, I hadn't read a lot of the comics, but I knew the X-Men from the animated series. Cause I watched that a ton as a kid and seeing these characters that I saw in the animated series so much. And, uh, taken from that really colorful bombastic animated form and presented in this sort of real world sort of way, it was really mind blowing when it came out. And uh, I mean, it's a great film without this movie, like superhero movies wouldn't be what they are today. So I can't say enough about the film, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my next honorable mention. Yeah. Right on. And I totally agree with you. With pretty much everything you said, it was literally like a dream fan cast, if you will. How many times did we discuss that? The only person, <laughs> how many times did we talk about the Absolutely. only person who could play um, Professor X was Patrick Stewart? You know what I mean? No one. I don't think anyone picked uh, Hugh Jackman for Wolverine in the fan casting, but it all just, you know what I mean? It all just comes out really well. So Absolutely. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, yeah. So my next honorable mention is Batman 66, the movie. Oh, or Batman the movie. Um, <laughs> this is this is my first introduction to Batman, if you will, is Batman 66. Um, but this is a movie. What's really interesting about the Batman 66 film is that it was supposed to be the beginning. Um, if you go and look at the history of the show, this was supposed to be the beginning. They were supposed to release <laughs> the movie, and then the show would follow but because of production issues. They didn't make the movie until the middle of between season one and season two. Interesting. Uh, so they shot season one, went right to production on the movie. Like they didn't even break. They finished season one, went right to production on the movie, finished the movie and went right to production on season two. Um, the reason it was supposed to be the beginning is because in the movie, it's a team up with all the villains. So you introduce all your villains in the movie as a big team up. And then when you do the show, you already know all the players makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this is, the movie is great. It's got these great moments. Like you never, like some days you just can't get rid of a bomb and um, <laughs> just <laughs> the moments like that. And the, the Riddler's jokes are really funny. I remember, I remember in college, I watched it with some friends and I remember our brother Scott was sitting there and there was a riddle that came up on screen and we all just were like, are you serious? This like this flew for writing back then. Um, But it was a specific time. It was a specific time period. It was a specific style of comedy. Um, It's still, in my opinion, it still holds up, but it probably holds up because of the nostalgic reasons more than anything. Um, But yeah, no, it's go ahead. Oh, no. Is the Batman 66 movie the. uh the one that has the sparrow with the machine gun riddle in it. Yes, it is. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know if that's the one you were talking about, but uh, yes, yes, I feel, I feel like this movie is more well known than people realize because so many of those 
great moments, like I mentioned, the sparrow with a machine gun riddle or the uh, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Like a lot of those moments, people really remember um, probably a lot better than a lot of the moments in the show proper. And I think that's just kind of uh, interesting, but definitely a great pick. I kind of didn't think too much about this one while putting together my list, but uh, definitely a classic pick to go with. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much more to add with it. It's just, it's my first introduction to Batman and you know, you don't, and it's, it's kind of awesome. like, that's, that's the, that brought him to the big screen, if you will, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, um, what's your first actual pick of the night? This yeah, is well, start matching like crazy. So, <laughs> well, moving uh, from that one into uh, probably my goofiest pick of the night, I went with the original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that came out in 1990. Um, and this is just a movie that, for me, like this is my personal top five favorite superhero movies that came out before 2005. But the old Ninja Turtle movies, I just feel super nostalgic for, and I think. I think they hold up in a way, even watching it as an adult, because these are movies that I feel like I could call up a couple of my old friends and we could just hang out and drink some beers and watch some old Ninja Turtles and we'd still get a kick out of the movies. And I think especially the first one was a very good, I don't know, it has like a, you know, the the quality of filming feels like a little bit dated where it feels like a little bit more gritty. And I feel like the first one just has like a, you really feel the grit of these turtles that live in the sewer. And that paired with like the really cartoony humor, as well as like the appearance of the turtles. I feel like the first one like really got that balance. And, you know, when you go into Ninja Turtles 2, and then especially when you go into the third movie, it gets a lot more cartoony and feels a lot less realistic. But I think the first one really, really got that balance. But uh, when I pop in the DVD for the first movie and that uh, that Ninja Turtles score comes on and uh, it's just it's just a fun time while also having just some really badass, some really cool, serious parts. Um, I love like how they developed the. Uh, kind of the character behind the uh, the uh, foot soldiers in that movie and everything. I think it's just a I think it, it holds up in ways, actually. So I, I really enjoy this one. Yeah, this um this movie, the first one, I think, holds up better than the second two. Absolutely. Um, completely. Um, I did like the second one a lot. The third one, in my opinion, <sighs> OK. But the uh, that first one is like aside from it being iconic, it's dark, too. It's a yep. much darker take than I think we all expected when we went in to see the movie. But um, I think that first one really does hold up in comparison to the newer stuff. That I never saw the newer movies. Um, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those. <laughs> I'm actually kind of curious because if you didn't see those when they came out, I don't know how they <laughs> they even hold up, even though they're not that old. But uh, the first um, Michael Bay one that came out is actually a pretty fun time to watch, but it also might depend on the group that you're watching it with. <laughs> but I remember seeing that one in theaters and thinking it was entertaining, but yeah. 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 Right on. Okay. Um, well, my first pick of the night, um, I'm going to go kind of the other realm of it is the movie Constantine. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, this movie it's not the greatest um, on the realm of superhero movies, but it really kind of surprised me. I do, if I'm like just talking about 
people who play Constantine, Matt Ryan, who plays him on uh, the Constantine show and Legends of Tomorrow, um, and then for all the animated stuff, I do prefer Matt Ryan. I just think he fits the character the best. But the Keanu Reeves-Constantine movie, I thought was a really nice breath of fresh air, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was really dark. It's like a, it's a world of DC I didn't really like. I didn't at the time I wasn't as familiar with, but it was one of those things. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm totally in. I get this. All the demon stuff with, you know, all the things that were in there, like, you know, all the occult stuff he was into and everything like this. It was like the secret like like world that existed underneath everything we know. You know what I mean? It was like this window and this whole new like realm that's right under our noses and we don't know it's there. Um, and I think that's what really fascinated me about it. And I really, really enjoyed it. And it made me actually like read comics and stuff. I was like, oh, I got to go check out some more of this Hellblazer stuff. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know if you have anything to say about Constantine, but that's just, you know. No, this is a this is a cool this is definitely a good pull. And uh, I remember when this movie came out and uh, thinking it was crazy. But uh, I was like a senior in high school. I might have I was like a junior or senior in high school and this came out. And I remember it coming out and. I don't know why, but people were like just losing their crap about this movie. Like uh, I had classmates who were telling me like, oh, you've got to see Constantine. It's the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) Stuff like that, (laughs) which is pretty interesting. And I saw it and I was like, yeah, that was really good. I don't know if it was the greatest of all time, but it was really cool. So uh, definitely a good pick. Um, I don't know if I have too much to say about it otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. Um, (laughs) Um. but yeah, like that said, actually, these are quick reviews and the Constantine is yeah. not one we've talked about, really. So um. Um, Constantine, in a weird way, actually leads really well into my next pick because I went with uh, Hellboy, the oh, original okay. Hellboy movie from 2004. Um, and this is uh, I don't know. I feel like I've probably talked about the Hellboy movies a decent amount um, in our podcast because. I don't know. Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite directors and one of my favorite aspects of uh, his style is just how imaginative the uh, worlds and the creatures and stuff. And I I love how he plays with like kind of that fine line between fantasy and horror. Um, And he just does that really well. And I think uh, Hellboy is like a perfect example of this where he's got like great like there's great creatures. There's great like. like really just awesome sets and stuff. Like you go to a bunch of like crazy settings that you'd, that are just super imaginative, but it's really, when it comes down to it, it's, you know, it's a superhero film and it's, it's kind of, you know, just as close to uh, men in black or something like that as it is to any like crazy, like fantasy or horror story. But the Hellboy movies in general, um, well, I guess I should say the first two are some of my favorite movies overall. I don't know. I feel like I couldn't say enough about this movie as far as like what I like about it, but I don't know, Drew, do you have any thoughts on Hellboy in general? Um, I forgot this movie um, was before 2004 or before 2005. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, no, I, re- I really enjoyed the first one. I never actually got a chance to see the second one. This is another one of this kind of falls in the realm of Constantine, if you will, in that like, world of demons and hell and all that stuff that that realm that exists underneath our nose and we just Mm -hmm. into it um yeah no i like i said i really enjoyed the first one and uh the the whole like the ideas and the concepts and stuff really grabbed my attention um i wasn't expecting a um cthulhu kind of a villain at the end 
if you will. Yeah. Um, the big tentacle. I'm not even sure if that was supposed to be Cthulhu or not. I don't. <laughs> um, but um, I do. I was very interested to see the BPRD, um, the mm-hmm. Bureau of Paranormal Research and Development. I, I was very interested to see that when the movie came out, and I felt that that was the one part where the movie was lacking, in my opinion. I wanted more from the Bureau. Um, because I think I wanted to see like, yeah, we got, um, Abe Sapien, but I kind of wanted to see Lobster Johnson and some of the other characters. Um, so, but, oh no. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say on the second one, they do show a little bit more of the BPRD, but it really is evident, especially with how the second one ends that Guillermo del Toro had a trilogy planned and it's just something we're never going to get to see unfortunately, which really sucks. But uh, no, Drew, you definitely need to watch the second movie. Like, especially when it came out, I thought it was just amazing. Like, it was one of my favorite movies ever. But I think when I go back and revisit it, I do feel a little bit like, okay, you can tell that this is a pre-MCU superhero film. And I don't really know how to explain that. But just something about the, the music and the pacing and stuff, it feels a little bit like an older film, but I still think the second Hellboy movie is really, really good. So okay. I will make, I will make sure I put that on the docket to get, um, yeah, the, uh, all right. So my next one for the night is, Hmm, which one of these three do I go with? All right. I'm going to go with Spider-Man two. Um, so we have, we matched on this one, okay. <laughs> and this was the next one I was going to talk about as well. Okay. So I figured we, I figured we were like, there's a couple on here that I'm pretty sure we matched on, so it'll go quick. Um, Spider-Man Two. This is prior to the MCU stuff. <sighs> this I think is everyone's favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, I also think people think it's one of the best superhero movies of all time. Um, but I mean, this this is one where. The first Sam Raimi Spider-Man is like the Batman Begins, where this is like the Dark Knight. This is what happens when you have your world established. Um, And you're walking into it, like, first off, you're excited to see Spider-Man, and then they throw in Doc Ock, who, in terms of the movie villains, I think is one of the best representations of page-to-screen adaptations. Yeah, absolutely. So good. The casting was phenomenal. The effects with the tentacles were phenomenal. Um, They really, like they really put together something really special with that film. Um, yeah. I don't really know where to go from there. Uh, thoughts on Spider-Man <laughs> too, man. Like, <laughs> no, this is just a, this is a great movie. Um, I think when you revisit the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, I think there is definitely a, um, they have their own tone where some of the jokes are a little bit cornier. I think than a lot of people expect. And s- there's, it's Sam Raimi, so there's going to be a certain amount of cheese involved, but I personally really love the cheesiness. And I think when you revisit the first Spider-Man movie, I think there's just certain shots of uh, like I remember there's this part where uh, Green Goblin is um, kidnapping Aunt May and he like crashes through the window. And the way it's presented with the music and everything, it just feels very um, cheesy. <laughs> and again, not saying that I don't like that, but I think the second one really had like a balance of like seriousness and cheesiness that I think really worked really well. Um, and I think yeah. it just has like a super relatable plot because you have like 
the first movie you have Peter Parker, who's one of the most relatable characters in comics, I feel, for um, anybody who's kind of grown up as like the nerdy comic book reader. But um, in the second one, he starts to doubt his powers and stuff. And I think uh, I think that's a really relatable plot that plays out as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to know what to say because this movie has been talked about so much. But it is I think it is one of the greatest superhero movies. I think it just it holds up just from a story standpoint, in my opinion. And uh, the music is amazing. Like Danny Elfman did the mu- the music for these movies. And I think uh, like Doc Ock has a really distinct theme. That's really awesome and stuff. And uh, since you mentioned Doc Ock, like him being so accurate compared to the comic book version, it's also like they managed to have him have like a really realistic, but just really cool look. And I say realistic because he looks like something if that character actually existed, his outfit or costume, if you will, it looks like something he would actually wear. You know what I mean? And I thought that was really impressive as well. So yeah, it's, I feel like I could go on and on about this movie though. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I hear you. We can, we've talked about Spider-Man. We're probably going to talk about it again. Let's move on. Um, (laughs) The next one on my list um, in the realm of, you know, it's funny. Yeah, all right, I'm going to go with Blade 2. Oh, nice. Um, th- we didn't match on this one, did we? We didn't, we didn't match on this one. Okay, this is one, again, the world is established because they have an original, and then you get Blade 2, and you think to yourself, again, this is what happens when you've established your universe. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of times you would think that Blade, the first Blade would make my list. Blade, the first one, is such a phenomenal movie, but the one thing I feel like Blade two has over blade one is that blade two um blade one had this down moment like right in the middle of the movie there was a lot of exposition like right in the middle um that i felt made the movie drag a little bit in this middle section of the film i don't know why and even as a repeat watch nowadays i still feel that way yeah two i feel raised the stakes and then never stopped once it got going um they just never it just it just went and went and went and they kept adding things and adding things. And I don't know if it's for the good or for the bad, but I just remember having this crazy like excitement watching the film from the beginning to end. Uh, <laughs> deep vampire lore that we didn't know about. Yeah, these new crazy vampires that were like eating other vampires because that's what their food was. They weren't even bothering with humans. They were going after the vampire population. So the vampires were seeking Blade's help because they're like, we're being eradicated. We need your help. Um the uh, the makeup and the effects on these new vampires where their jaw like split and unhinged. <laughs> yeah. God, those were so cool, man. Like such a cool like concept idea. Like whoever thought that up, like I, just mad props to what they were doing there. Um, and Blade 2 is one of those movies that I had a lot of fun seeing in the theater that it just that's one where like. You you went to the theater and it was that electric feeling when you walked in and people were cheering and screaming and like excited, like this crazy fight scene. And you hear like people like, oh, my God, and like they'd be laughing at the jokes properly. And it just everything hit right. You know what I mean? And there was just this great energy to seeing that movie. Um, But, yeah, that's why Blade 2 makes my list. So That's awesome. Um, I haven't 
watched this movie in a really long time. So I don't have too, and especially with all you've said, I don't have too much to say, but uh, definitely a good pick. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this is another uh, Guillermo del Toro movie, actually. Um, I think he didn't do the first Blade, but I'm pretty sure he did the second one as far as directing goes. So, um, which kind of uh, is cool to see because the uh, crazy, like, jaw opening vampires as you were mentioning do seem like something that he would do so um yeah but definitely great pick yeah um what else what's your next one man yeah so my next one which uh it might surprise you um that this isn't going for last drew but i went with uh the original Superman film, uh, 1978, uh, the oh, Christopher Reeve, the first Superman. Yeah, I know. That's why I was going to say this might be, might surprise you. But um, this is this movie has become an indie industry standard. And uh, we've talked about this before. But according to Kevin Feige, they watched this movie before starting to work on any of the MCU films. And I think when you talk about the heart and the tone of the MCU movies, I think that's really um apparent um i really think that this movie showed us all like i don't even know what is it 40 50 years ago i don't know how long it's been but it really showed us um how to make a superhero film and uh to give a uh hero that people can find hope in and uh people can believe in and i think it's just awesome that that legacy lives on and uh like I said, it's apparent that the MCU has found its influence in this movie, but um, also like I think other places like I'm just going to say it. I really feel like the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, I really feel like that was highly influenced off of uh, the original Superman film. And if you watch both of those movies back to back, which I don't know if I've watched them in one sitting back to back, but I've definitely watched them both within the same week before. And you can kind of see the influences of the original Superman movie on the original Spider-Man movie. Um, you but also me about, you've talked to me about that before in the past, like just our conversations at like family parties and stuff like that, like ranting about superhero movies and stuff. Like that. <laughs> I know that's come up in conversation. So I'm going to go even farther. And like, I used to have a theory that Sam Raimi actually took, influence from the superman sequels for the spider-man sequels and you can kind of see that because in like superman 2 there's a section of the movie where superman loses his powers and that actually happens in spider-man 2 and then in superman 3 you got the evil version of superman while in spider-man 3 there's black suit spider-man and maybe it wasn't on purpose maybe it's just crazy coincidences and i like to find (laughs) weird anomalies like that but it is it is a definitely definitely a fun discussion to have um but okay so the reason this movie doesn't make the top of my list because i'm the big superman fan and like this is definitely one of my top favorite superhero movies if not just regular movies of all time the reason it doesn't is i do think there is a little bit of a pacing issue with this movie and i know this movie came out in the late 70s and that might have been why i think it's just more apparent yeah of the movies that came out of that time but you watch this movie and it takes about an hour in at least before you actually see Superman in his uh, yeah. <laughs> in his suit. And that's the one thing is I do think the movie, especially in the beginning, is a little slow. And that's why it didn't get the top spot for this list. That's interesting. OK, 
Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting reason as to why it doesn't get your top slot for this list. I uh, mean, this isn't a ranked list either, but I'm just kind of... <laughs> hey, look, we, we always say that the lists aren't ranked, but we always save our favorite ones to save for the last. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so my second to last pick, my la- my uh, my next one for the night is um, X-Men 2. Um, nice. This one, uh, this is one of those things where for the long time... <laughs> pre-MCU, this was considered the greatest superhero movie of all time. It was the best X-Men movie. No one argued with you. Um, you're just like, well, what's the best superhero movie? X-Men 2. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, people just didn't argue. They're just like, this, that, yeah, of course you're right. You know what I mean? But it's literally an extension of the original X-Men film, where you've had an established cast. You have an established universe. You're walking in, expecting to see your friends and where they're at, and new adventures with them and stuff. Um, but the story behind it was great. And you got to see insight into Wolverine's backstory, which you wanted. And then you got the fight with Lady Deathstrike at the end. And then, you know, like they, they really like uh, went home with it and you got to see characters that you didn't think you were going to see in the backgrounds and like in the classrooms, you're just like, Oh, and that's that guy. And that's that guy. And you just got excited for the possibility of what was coming, you know? Absolutely. Uh, like what the X-Men franchise could bring to you because there's so many characters and that was such a prolific part in comic books in the realm of the X-Men, Jim Lee, all that stuff just took over comics when they dropped. Um, yeah. So yeah, X-Men too. Everyone should see that because it's just, <laughs> it's fantastic. Absolutely. We didn't match on this one, but uh, your description makes me feel like we should have. But I think <laughs> um, I always when I think about the X-Men movies, I always do think of the first one because of that sort of wow factor I had with the whole tone that it was all presented. And I think by the time the second one came out, I wasn't wowed in the same way. But the more whenever I go back and think about it or rewatch it, I'm just like, this movie's amazing, you know. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the second one uh, introduces Nightcrawler, right? Um, yeah. And that's kind of the first scene, and, it, and that was and it one of the most amazing scenes ever. It opens with Nightcrawler, like, breaching the White House because he's going to attempt to assassinate the president. Um, and you're just, like, watching him, like, pop in and out of, like, rooms and hallways, and it's just crazy. So. Absolutely. And it's yeah, it just was depicted so well. And I feel like this movie has so many great moments like that. And uh, no, this is just a great film. And uh, to be honest, it's also been a while since I've watched X-Men 2. So I kind of want to just go back and watch it now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's on Disney Plus for you, man. Nice. Um, all right. So what is your last pick of the night? And I feel like we matched. On this. <laughs> I think we might match. I went with uh, Batman uh, 1989. Yes. Um, so, did I. so Batman 89, <laughs> we totally matched on this. So. And we've done a whole episode about this movie. <laughs> so what more is there left to say? <laughs> I know. It's just, look, guys, you don't get anywhere in the superhero genre films without Batman 89. It was a, this is a thing with the art direction. This is an issue of the storytelling. This is an issue of adaptation of page to screen. Um, this is an understanding that Batman is not about Batman. It's a story about Bruce Wayne. And that is a huge piece of this. And when they got criticism for casting Michael Keaton as Batman back in the day, pre social media, the criticism had to be handwritten and phoned in and all that stuff. Um, Tim Burton stood by his guns and he's like, guys, we're not casting Batman. We're casting Bruce Wayne. And that's the important thing. So when you go on to these other Batman films, you got to remember that, you know, 
Affleck was casted not necessarily because he could be in the suit being Batman. They were casting a Bruce Wayne because ultimately nine times out of ten, it's a stunt guy in the suit. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so when I heard Robert Pattinson, I was like, I don't know if I see it because I couldn't necessarily see the Bruce Wayne. And then I watched Tenant and I was like, OK, I could totally see the Bruce Wayne bit. Um, so it's just there's 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 a degree. There's a reason they cast certain things. Um, but man, they this movie, the world was obsessed with this movie before even before it even came out. Bat shirt, Batman shirts, every Batman T-shirts, billboards in uh, Times Square, in New York, people like etching the bat symbol into their haircuts. Like it, it was everywhere and people were obsessed with it. The movie hit. Then the movie came out and it was one of the biggest box office successes. Um, we don't get to end game without this movie. Um, we don't get to this movie without Superman 1978. But, you know, it's just I feel like this really laid the groundwork for things to come more so than almost anything else. Yeah, that said, um, do you want to add anything to that? <laughs> it's hard to know where to go from there, but I do think um, you did mention art direction and just the moving movie making aspects of this film and stuff. And I feel like that's one thing I'd like to leave our audience with is like this is a movie that if you look at it as more than just an action film or a super superhero film, if you look at the movie for the art and the dedication and the love that went into making this film you know, be this like really unique and just astounding spectacle. I think it really stands on its own as a piece of art. And that's really great. And um, just talking about Michael Keaton a little bit more in the live action realm of things, there's always the arguments, you know, who played the best Batman, who played the best Bruce Wayne and people argue different ways, but I think, and I really agree with this and it's been said many times, but I really think that Michael Keaton did the best playing both as far as live action goes. So, sure. um, and I, a lot of people still agree with that as well. So, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Um, well, all right, man. Uh, that kind of brings us to the end of the list for the night. Um, before we toss this episode in the can, um, what, uh, what do you got for us for next week? It's your pick. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Batman, uh, there's a couple other Batman films that came out before 2005 that we didn't discuss and one of them, which I really enjoy, is uh, Batman Forever. And I was thinking a little bit about that movie but while putting my list together. And uh, it made me think uh, we haven't done an actor in a long time, like you mentioned before, Drew. And I was thinking it'd be fun to do our top five favorite Jim Carrey movies. And uh, Jim Carrey's been wow. in a lot of things. And uh, he's been in some really comedic things and some very serious roles. So there's definitely a lot, a big variety of movies. But I just thought this would be a fun list to go through. And I've kind of been in a weird, like, retro comedy mode as well lately so i that kind of fed into it as well but yeah that's what that's what i had planned for next next week nice um that's actually cool because we haven't done an actor in a while so um yeah yeah i'm totally down so um yeah that works yeah let's do it <laughs> um i gotta go look up jim carrey's entire um uh catalog now so yeah <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because the first thing that went through my head as soon as you said Jim Carrey was the Cable Guy superhero, the Cable Guy Super Bowl commercial, um, which <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that, but now I want um, to. I remember it came on during the Super Bowl and the people I was watching the Super Bowl with were like, is this real? What's going on? Like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> and then we That's had a awesome. conversation about how we haven't seen that movie in a really long time and we should all sit down and watch it. 
<laughs> nice. But anyway, um, well, Peter, that kind of, like I said, brings the episode to a close. You ready to close this out for the night? Yeah, yeah. And let's see if I don't stumble over the outro. Uh, <laughs> everyone, do us all a favor and check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, along with an email, our email, topfivereport at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our email, social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you, can, you can subscribe to us in those places. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also leave us a review. We understand. Uh, we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be making the announcement that we are now also broadcasting on the box. <laughs> <laughs> um everyone should be broadcasting on the box um absolutely at any rate um uh, for the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and uh we'll see you all next week thanks for listening